0: Thank you for listening to Rock Your Wedding Biz. This is episode 34, How to Stop Negotiating Your Pricing with our special guest, Maria Baer. Maria is sharing some wonderful advice on how to stand firm against clients who want a discount, which is something I'm sure we all come across every now and then. We hope you enjoy this interview with Maria. So let's get to it, rock stars.
1: Welcome to the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast, With your hosts, wedding planner and educator Renee Dallow and blogger and social media strategist Mindy Marzek. Listen in as they bring you the best, brightest, and most honest industry advice on the Internet. Their mission is to help you, wedding rock star, work smarter, not harder. Hope you're ready because it's time to rock your wedding biz.
2: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast. I'm Renee Dallow, and I'm here as always with my lovely co-host, Mindy Marzak. Say hi, Mindy.
0: Hi, Mindy. Uh, this is like oh. maybe the fifth time we've done that, that joke. Re-
2: but I really like it, so I'm just going to keep doing it.
0: <laughs> hi, everyone.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, we have a fantastic episode for you today, and it's actually one that the listeners, you guys, have been asking for. Uh, we are here with the fabulous Maria Baer, and we're talking about price negotiations, or actually how to get people to stop trying to negotiate on your price. Maria, hi. Thanks for being here with us.
3: Hey, Renee. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
2: Well, when we talked about this topic, when Mindy and I talked about this topic with each other, I said, there's only one person we have to have as a guest. We just have to get Maria. This is like right in her wheelhouse. She's going to school everybody and shut this down. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I can't wait personally, because I, you know, I don't necessarily work in the wedding industry. But when I do social media coaching, I am constantly having people trying to talk me down in price, and it drives me crazy. So I can't even imagine how wedding vendors, you know, deal with this on a consistent basis. So I'm actually super excited about
2: this topic as well. Nice. So Maria, for those who listening who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Well, thanks. Um, I'm a sales and mindset strategist. I'm a coach. I'm a wealth creator. I like to say because my my goal is to help you make a lot of money so that you can make a huge impact in the world, whatever that means to you. And um, I really want to help clients book high paying clients that they love, not just clients they feel like they have to book because they have bills to pay. And everyone's been there, and myself included. Mm -hmm. And I want to help them filter out the ones that they're not a good fit, that they don't want to work with, that may be better served from somebody else. So um, my clients usually are able to, if they keep applying the strategies I teach them, they're they're easily able to 2x to 5x their revenues over time because the strategies keep working year after year after year. So that's the beauty of the math of what I teach (laughs) is that it just keeps bringing you money all the time.
2: Uh I love that you said you're a wealth creator. It just like made me teary eyed a little bit. Awesome. I'm like a mo- Yeah, I love that. I love I just you know, I think everyone should always be talking about money more often until it becomes less of a thing, you know? Yeah until the stigma is gone, like especially women, we need to be talking about building wealth like that's so essential. Um, I also feel like we should mention at this point, Maria, that uh, when we looked at our episodes from this past year, um, all of our pricing episodes or anything having to do with money were like the top downloaded episodes. Mm-hmm.
3: Not surprising at all.
2: <laughs> yep. So I, I feel exactly. So I just feel like everyone's so wanting to have this conversation, even if it's just listening to us in their car, you know, <laughs> yeah. not necessarily talking out loud to people about it, but, you know, we're all sort of trying to figure out uh, what best to do. So your background, Maria, is in sales. And I know that uh, for some creatives, sales seems to be a like a dirty word. How do you feel about it?
3: That's, you know, that's so common. And I hear that constantly. And in fact, it was sort of a dirty word with myself as well back in the day before I went into sales. And and this is coming from a family where my father was in sales and he was the antithesis of the, you know, used car salesman, right? He was very low key, very introverted, very non-salesy, but I still knew that there was a stigma attached to selling. You know, with a lot of people. So I felt that in my bones as well. And Mm -hmm. I had to come to terms with that. And in fact, that was a come to Jesus moment for me. When I went into sailing, um, I was, if I can get into a little story, if it's a good time for that. Of course. So when I had my, not my first job in sales, but my second job in sales, the first job I got fired because I wasn't selling enough. (laughs) So I'm here to tell you that this can be learned, right? It's a skill that you can learn. But in my second job, I realized that my, my results were very inconsistent. So in the first few months that I worked at this company, I would, you know, maybe one month I was great. And the next month was, it was feast or famine. Right. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, this is ridiculous. Like, why can't I do this consistently? And I was driving to work one day and, you know, thinking like most people do in their cars. And I had this just epiphany, literally, it was literally like something dropped from the sky (laughs) and the universe was talking to me and saying, your mindset is the problem. Your mindset is conflicting with your goals and your goal is you want to be wealthy, you want to sell a lot, you want to be successful, you want to make a lot of money, but your mindset is saying sales is icky, sales is pushy, sales is slimy, sales, if I'm good at sales, I have to be, um, I have to have no integrity right? And that is not how I was raised and not who I was to my core. And so there was this disconnect. And when that happens, you will self-sabotage, you know, whether whether it's sales or anything else in your world. But if your beliefs and your, what you're telling yourself, those messages, whether it's consciously or unconsciously, if those conflict with your goals, you will self-sabotage. And that's what I realized I was doing. And at that moment, you know, like when the sky opened and and I just had this revelation that, oh my God, I'm screwing myself. You know, I need to really listen to what's going on in my head. And I made a conscious effort to listen to those messages and then consciously work to change them. And it had such a profound effect on my sales that I literally was able to triple my income in less than 12 months after that. Wow. And, yeah, it was immediate. It was dramatic. And it wasn't something that I had to change every single mindset I had. It was taking small shifts, right? And, and making a concerted effort to look at what I was thinking, what I was telling myself and looking for ways to change that mindset slowly, but surely. Right. Cause mindset's sort of an evolution, right? You're mm-hmm. always working on it to some extent, but yeah. it, it had such a dramatic effect on my income that I now included as part of my core teachings because it's that important. And not just for sales, but for all areas of your life. Sure.
2: Yeah. I, I have to say, Maria, I agree with you. And, and it's so funny as you're telling the story, I'm sitting here thinking, because I had a thought a few weeks ago that like my money mindset has definitely changed this year. And like you say, it's been a slow evolution. Like I I didn't wake up one day and say, like, okay, now I'm ready to make a million dollars. I thought I always had been saying that, but I wasn't. I was self-sabotaging in the ways you mentioned. And then, but the other day I thought, I actually have a really healthy relationship with like my own income and success at this point. And I think it's, well, one, because I've been taking, I had taken Maria's course, which we'll talk about later, but also because I think like you said, it isn't something that happens all at once, 100%, and then you're great. It's something that you actually have to retrain your brain um, to like the self-talk that we have in our brains, you know?
3: Absolutely. And it's like new level, new devil, right? So once oh, you yeah. raise your mindset to, let's say I want to make six figures this year, and let's say you achieve that, well, then that you there's always a ceiling, right? We always have self-imposed ceilings. So maybe that next ceiling would be 200,000 or 250 or 500, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. But there's always, it's it's an evolution. You're constantly working at it. But my goal is to help you identify what those are so, and help you align that mindset with those goals so that you can reach them faster. Faster and without so much pain and struggle, right? Yeah, everyone, who wants to struggle? Not God, me. No one. <laughs> Not me. Not me.
2: I want that easy button. Yes, <laughs> I know. I wish that really worked in life, right? Wouldn't that be great? Right.
0: <laughs> so this is all like, uh, this is just like fascinating for me because I do struggle with sales and being a salesperson and and selling my own product and my services, and obviously like when I when a client tries to talk down my price, I am so tempted to take it. But then there's like the angel and devil on my shoulder. Like someone's just like being nice and like, try to try to negotiate with this person. And then the devil's just like, no, you need your money. Like you should get paid. So like, why do you think people try to negotiate so hard and don't just pay the price that a, that a vendor gives them?
3: That's such a great question. And, what you're feeling is, is felt by everybody, I think at some point or another. And it, there's not just one answer there. It's a multifaceted problem. And the first of which is we're surrounded by discounting every day. Every yeah. retailer on the planet teaches us, conditions us that there are sales, right? Yeah. Everybody that everyone's website that you subscribe to every retailer is sends you emails about sales, especially around the holidays. Right, So we're conditioned to ask that and ourselves included. So you have to also, and this is sometimes a difficult conversation, but if you're really self-aware, look at how you're asking for discounts in your life, right? Mm. And if you're constantly Mm -hmm. asking for discounts in all areas or a lot of areas, think about the energy you're putting out there and what that's bringing back to you. Oh, that's good. Yep. Yeah. That one's hard to hear sometimes, but yeah, it really is true. And that's not to say that you, not everybody values everything, right? But if you are constantly on this wavelength of, I want a discount, I want a deal, I want a deal, you're going to be bringing that energy back into your business. So, so that's the first part of it. But just realize that people are just, they're just conditioned to ask for those discounts. So first of all, don't take offense to it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that. And I understand why, but we're professionals and we have to just take a step back and realize this is not our story. It's their story. And the other thing I would say is if they're asking for a discount, look at the energy you're putting out in terms of your confidence, right? Because people are buying confidence. And if you're not showing that confidence, if you're someone that says, here's my price, But Mm. (laughs) right, and we all know what we're talking about here. We all waver. Yeah. When you do that, you are opening that door and saying, "I'm not confident about what I'm doing. I'm not confident about the service or products that I'm providing, and I'm opening the door for you to negotiate." So, the more confident you are in what what you're providing to them, what transformation, what service, what benefits you're giving to them, the more confident you are, the less you're going to invite that. That yeah makes sense
0: yeah that's yeah, okay yeah. in. yeah, yeah I'm, I'll be all right I just have a lot of stuff to think about
2: wow I also um I think this is something you had said at one point Maria I'm not even sure if it was to me or if it was in the in your course but you said something uh that's st- that stayed with me about like if you start discounting your services like say you have a service package that's a thousand dollars and at some point you start offering it for 850 but for a limited time then the people who buy it are only going to value it at eight fifty. They're not going to think, "Oh, I'm getting this thousand dollar product." They're going to say, "This is eight. This is only valuable to me at the price that I paid."
3: Right. Absolutely. When you start discounting, you're basically just saying that you're not valuing your work, mm, right? Yeah. And when you give somebody a discount, if you say yes to their price request to to lower your price, then you're opening the door for them to ask for future price discounts, right? You're just you're not setting a boundary for yourself and your business. And there's certain businesses that you would never even consider asking for a discount. Right. And so what you have to do is look at your business and the way you're conducting yourself, the professionalism that you're portraying, does your process and your, the way you're speaking and working with your clients, does that exude professionalism to the point where someone would never dare ask you for a discount? That's right. Yeah, that's so good. And it's, it's just,
0: you know, everything you're saying is 100% correct. But, but, <laughs> you know, as I go through, you know, day to day life, and people ask me for a discount versus, you know, not getting the business, it's really tempting to want to take the discounted client. How mm-hmm. how do you have any advice, like, on how we can, you know, you talked about mindset earlier, on how we can get out of that mindset that it's better to not negotiate and wait for that client um, to come along who's willing to pay full
3: price. Sure, sure, and I understand why you think that way and why it would be so easy to say yes to that person because you've got bills and this is a client that says, "Oh, if you discount it this much, I'll I'll work with you." Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, understand that they know that if they don't ask. The answer is no. Sure. Right. (laughs) Yes. That's true. I will will bet you that at least 80 to 90% of people that ask for a discount don't necessarily expect you to give them one or would walk if you said no. Right. But they know that if they don't ask, the answer is no. So why shouldn't they ask? Why wouldn't they ask? It's your responsibility, and as a business owner, to be confident enough in what you're offering to say, you know what? I provide so much more value than what I charge and I can't discount my prices and this is why, right? Um, and just say no because 90% of the time they're going to come back and say, okay, I've seen it for year after year after year in my group with all of my clients, people, they say um, no to a discount
2: and the client books anyway. I had it happen this year to me, earlier this year. Really? Yeah.
3: It works yeah. because we're so scared. We come from a scarcity mindset. That's the other part of it. Mm-hmm. So you have to remember that they're not necessarily asking because they're ready to walk. They're asking because they know that it doesn't hurt to ask, right? Doesn't snow skin off their back mm-hmm. to ask because all you could say is no. The best case scenario, you give them a discount and they win. But then you set the precedent that you're going to give discounts. And just like if you have children or you know, when, when a child asks for something like, let me stay up past my bedtime. If you do it consistently, they're going to keep asking for it more and more. Right. So if you give them an inch, they'll take a foot. You need to set a boundary (laughs) with your business and show that you respect yourself. Yeah. You respect your business. You are running a business, not a like side job, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't help you. It doesn't, Value you or your client for you to give in and let them dictate the terms of your business.
2: Absolutely, I have a, a funny story about a discount that came from a, a good friend of mine who, um, who used to own like a very high end home furnishing store in Los Angeles, and uh, everything in the store was custom made. Right? It was what well, wasn't custom made? I'm sorry. It was like it was all handmade by her and her husband. It was all this beautiful woodworking, and one day. Uh, Renee Zellweger came in, the actress, back when she was like, kind of like winning Oscars and stuff. She was very, at the height of her fame. And she walked in and she fell in love with this bench. And she looked at my friend Emily and she said, how much is it? And Emily told her the price, which I'm sure was fairly high. And Renee said, can you give me a discount? Said, Oscar winner,
1: <laughs> Renee Zellweger, <laughs> asking,
2: can I get a discount? And she and Emily just looked at her and said... "Um." You know, I'm only authorized to give you 10% and Renee was like, "Great, I'll take it." And in that moment, like in retelling the story, my friend said, "I should have said no because she would have bought it anyway. She's an, you know, she's a millionaire. She's got the money." Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then when I was when I was filling out the paperwork to check her out, she said, "Thanks for the discount." I figured it couldn't hurt to ask. There you go. And I think about it all the time in my own business. Now, of course, we're service-based, which is, compl- I think, a completely different can of worms than a product that you've made, because I, I don't think those things are are equal. But I think about it all the time. Like, Renee Zellweger just, like, <laughs> took a chance, and she got, like, a $1,000 off of this bench or whatever it was, something insane. But, like, what? She doesn't need 10% off, but it made her feel better. And she asked, and Emily caved, and, you know, that small business lost that money.
3: Absolutely. And that's a great, that's a great example because, and we've had this discussion multiple times in our group with, um, celebrities asking for discounts and it's very, very, very common. And here's what we tell every single one of them. And we've got so many people that I've got a lot of personal clients that have served, um, celebrities before, and they will tell you hands down, do not give them the discount because they're not going to reciprocate. They're not going to give you the, the celebrity and the and the fame that you're that they're saying that they're going to give you, right? No. And the people that are willing to pay you full price are the ones that will value you and will keep coming back to the well. I have one client in our group right now. She is a floral designer. She's got a celebrity client, and she never gives this guy a discount. And he could not be nicer to her
2: mm-hmm.
3: because now there's a respect. Exactly. You teach them how to treat you, exactly,
2: Maria. How do you feel about instead of discounting? How do you feel about like? adding additional services like a bonus or a bundle of some kind.
3: Yeah, that's probably one of the best tricks I can give you and and strategies. If If you feel like this is a good fit and they're asking for something a little extra or they want a discount, the best thing to do is always to just add something in. But it's good to know sort of in advance what those things might be so that you have something in your back pocket. Right. So mm-hmm. when you know that you're going to have a conversation with somebody and you know that, okay, I'm going to be um, offering them these options potentially, maybe you, you have one price point, maybe you have a couple of different proposals, whatever that is, just know, hat and have in your back pocket, what can I give them just to kind of sweeten the deal, to make them feel good about this, to make them. Um, one of the things I like to say is that people giving them a bonus or an extra goodie won't make someone say yes, that was going to say no, but it will make them get off the fence and make a decision quickly. Oh. So it's a great it's a great tool to use to get someone to make an immediate decision to work with you. And that's why I like to give my clients really good non-salesy ways to put clients on the spot because my personal belief is it does not serve you or your client to have them go back and think about it indefinitely because they will just talk themselves out of it no matter what it is. And Mm -hmm. we do the same things with ourselves. So you have to really build into your process ways that you can give the client everything that they need to make a decision right then and there. And giving them an extra goodie, whether you call it a bonus or whatever, is just a really nice way, a fun way to kind of make the selling process fun and make the client feel like, oh, I get an extra goodie for making a decision I probably was going to make anyway. I'm just going to make it a little bit faster.
2: Yeah, I like the uh, I like the extra goodie. I use that a few times this year with like destination clients or like clients who didn't live in Los Angeles but who were getting married here. I would say like, "Well, your proposal expires in a week. If you book within the week, I will give you an extra 2-hour Skype meeting," which is like no skin off my nose. They feel like they're getting something amazing. I was probably going to do it anyway, but I just didn't put it in the proposal that way. And then and then I didn't have to hassle like in 7 days being like, "Hi, Like it's been seven days. They were like the next day they were like, great, let's do it. And I, you know, who knows if it was the goody or not, but it was nice to have another reason to sort of touch back, like touch base with them right after our initial conversation to say like, Hey, this bonus thing that I'm offering you, like, what do you think? You know?
3: Yeah. And it helps you not, it helps you avoid chasing them because I never want Mm -hmm. my clients to chase. I want you to let your process do your heavy lifting for you. Let your process qualify. Let your process get them, give them a sense of urgency so that they make a decision quickly. So that way you don't have to be salesy. You don't have to be pushy. You can let your process do all that work for you.
0: I have a question that's kind of a more of a specific example, and I'd love to get, uh, Both Maria and Renee's thoughts on it, Um, but I see a lot of photographers who, and this is kind of similar to the bonus situation. But I, I know a lot of photographers who basically have different packages. So they'll have, you know, a package that's like eight hours of photography. It includes an engagement session. You have a second shooter. So the package will include a bunch of things, and then the client will try to negotiate on the package? Like, well, what if we don't need an engagement shoot? Or what if we don't want the second shooter? Um, And I know a lot of photographers who will often go back and forth with the client, like narrowing down these packages. What type of advice would you give to a photographer who finds themselves in this cycle of negotiation?
3: Great question. Um, For that in particular, because I have experience working with photographers and I got married, so I I know from that perspective what happens. But for them, they have to realize what those pieces are and why they're so important and sell the value of those pieces to their clients. Mm -hmm. So if they feel that having a second shooter is an integral part of the experience of working with them, then it should be a non-negotiable. If they're going to include it in the package, then they have to sell the value of that. And most people have a hard time selling value, right? They don't build value with your client. So to go back to your question from a few minutes ago, like why people ask for discounts, it's because when we don't build value, we force the client to make a decision on price. Mm. Amen. Amen. Right. So, to build value, you have to get good at articulating the benefits of what you provide. And for a photographer, in your example, the benefit of a second shooter, for example, is well, you're getting different viewpoints. You know what I mean? Like, if you're in a church wedding, for example, sometimes you can only stand in certain places. Well, you Mm -hmm. don't want all your photos to be from one angle. Mm -hmm. You want to get both angles so you can get both people in the picture. Right. Or, um, what was the other part of the, the, it was second shooter. And what was the other one? Sometimes they'll include like a separate engagement session
0: or you get like all your photos on a disc, you know, things like that. There's like a bunch of different pieces of it. And I'm sure wedding planners and event planners also have these kind of bundled packages where people try to negotiate.
3: Sure. Sure. So for having, um, an engagement shoot, what I like to talk about is that that gives the, both the photographer as well as the couple a chance to get comfortable behind the camera and for the photographer to get to know the couple and know what looks good with them, what kinds of things make them comfortable so that they can get the best pictures. So you've got to sell the value of it. And if someone's negotiating that, it's because you did not sell the value. Mm. You did not tell them why they should care about that particular piece of your um, package. It kind of goes back to confidence, yeah? Yeah. Absolutely. But not just confidence, but you know more about what you do than your client does. So never mm-hmm. assume that they understand the value in all of the pieces that you're providing. So especially with planners, there's so much minutiae and things that they do behind the scenes that that I as a client, would never have know about, right, or know mm-hmm. the value of until I was knee deep in it. right? Like like response cards and meal selections. Like that was just a living nightmare for me. <laughs> that was something that if I had known up front, you know, if someone had explained to me, okay, this isn't hard, but it's a pain in your butt and it's <laughs> mm-hmm. going to take you hours, then I can understand why I would want my planner to do it instead of me taking that on. Right. So it's really, the responsibility lies in the business owner to communicate why the client should care about what they're selling.
2: Yeah. It really is so much education on our end. And also, you know, um, just Getting more comfortable with every, and that every business owner has to get more comfortable with just being the expert at what they do. I mean, I had a I had a client who just actually booked yesterday um, and I had included in their proposal several venue visits because at the time they didn't know where they were getting married. And they wrote back saying like, we want to shave off some some of the cost here. Can you take out the extra venue visits? And I was like, no. And she said, why? I go, because you don't know where you're getting married. And if you end up getting married at, lo- at a logistically complicated venue, I'm going to need those visits and you are too. You just don't know it yet. Mm hmm. And she thought, oh, I never thought about it that way. And I said, well, that's why you're hiring me. It's my job to think about all these things. You know, let's leave that in there. We can take off. You know, if you don't want me to do the rehearsal dinner, we can take that off. And that's what we ended up doing. Um, Although I have a feeling in the end, she's they're going to come back and say, please do the rehearsal (laughs) dinner once. Well, it tends to happen that once we get underway, they're like, oh, can you just take all of this? I'm like, yep. Let's do an addendum. But it was an interesting conversation because she was like, oh, we don't. I don't see the value in that. And I was like, well, you can't see it now. Much like everything else with wedding planning at the beginning, they don't know.
3: Yeah, exactly. They don't know what they don't know.
0: Yep. Well, this has been amazing. (laughs) <laughs> I just I wish I could just like have Maria in my ear all the time just being like no your valued, like price your worth be confident
2: <laughs> so Maria how can the people find you tell us all the ways
3: all the ways so there's multiple ways so I have a Facebook group called learn collaborate flourish and it's, it's a great group yeah it's for business owners that want to grow their businesses and flourish in their their business and lives and I'd love for people to hop on over there and join us and if they want free tips delivered to their inbox, they can sign up at MariaBayer.com. And I'll also give you a link that you could put in the show notes for if they want to book a call with me to talk about how I might be able to help them and what um, what next steps they need to take in their business to grow their business. I'm happy to chat with them.
0: Yeah, I love it. So you do, just to be clear, you do one-on-one coaching with, with uh, small business owners.
3: I do want to one, but more often than not, I'm doing group coaching. So my, my my signature program is called Irresistible Selling. It's a mastermind for wedding creatives. Um, and we're going to be opening up enrollment very soon. The class will start in, um, beginning of February, just in time for booking season. Mm -hmm. And so, um, if you want to book a call with me, we can chat more about what the program is and what your needs are and if that might be a good fit for you
2: and i can say full disclosure um i actually took irresistible selling last year and it is phenomenal it it really 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 and i thought i was doing well before irresistible <laughs> selling i think when i had my call with maria i was like i just i need to get it to be like bulletproof like my sales process has to be like i need it to be immaculate and um and it is now because of this course i just i loved i loved the community frankly there's a separate facebook group for the course as well and it was really nice to sort of, um, group mind things. And then also within the, within the course, we started a little, um, like zoom mastermind myself and like three other gals would get on every week and talk about the lessons and talk about what we had just learned. Cause it's dripped content still Maria, right? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah. I like the drip content because it, you kind of keeps, it keeps it going everyone together, you know, and it helps keep you
3: not overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and what I, yeah. and what I learned over time almost by accident was my initial intent was just to keep you, you know, structured so that you didn't get overwhelmed. But what I learned over time was it was perfect because if you only learn, a you know, one piece at a time, you can apply that one piece and you can see results. And that's why people get results so quickly because they don't feel that overwhelm or feel like they have to learn the whole thing before they try to implement one of the strategies. So that's bringing it back Um, full circle to Renee Zellweger. You know how she said you had me at hello, (laughs) right? Yes. So in selling, you can have someone at hello. You could literally have like once something in common with somebody, or you might grab them with one thing that you said, and then the deal is yours to lose, right? So with selling to me, it's not, I'm never going to tell you, you have to implement every single strategy I teach you in order for you to be successful. That's not the case because really it's a lot about connecting with somebody. And sometimes you can do one thing really well and you've got them, right? So that's why I love the fact that people will apply the things that they're learning as they're learning them because they're getting results immediately. They make their money back and then everything else over that is just completely pure profit.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I think what I learned in the course is more – I consider it more like a toolbox, you know, Mm -hmm. where I can sort of go in and pull out the different strategies as needed because I'm certainly not using every single strategy that you teach every single time because it's not needed every single time. Exactly. But it's nice to know options and it's nice not to feel stuck in my own way during the sales process. It actually – um, I, I am also the child of a salesperson. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny when you said that. I was like, oh yeah, my dad too. But my dad is actually the like me, a crazy extrovert and talker and a storyteller. So that's always been my my way into sales is storytelling and listening and making that connection. But it is, that's not, it doesn't, you know, that's not everything. You, ha- you need the tools, you need something else. And I love, um, you know, I just love the mindset shift that took you from sales as a dirty word to like, no, sales is helping people
3: exactly sales is, is serving and if you look at it that way and you look at it from if i could just share one last tip for people because i feel like people struggle so much with sales yeah. in terms of just the the idea of selling right and the whole premise of it if you if you go into a sales conversation with the perspective of Let's pretend that that person is a friend of yours. So let's say you're a wedding planner and your friend came to you and said, hey, can you tell me, you know, how can I evaluate different wedding planners in my market? I know I want you to attend my wedding, so I don't want you to to manage my wedding. So how, you know, tell me what I should know. How would you speak to your friend? How would you tell them about the differences between planners? How would Mm -hmm. you tell them to choose a planner over another? How would you tell them the value of what a planner does? So if you look at it from that perspective, you'll take a whole, your, your demeanor will change, your perspective will change, and it'll help you, um, get out of that sort of salesy feeling and really get into more of a consultative feeling. And how Mm. would you talk to a friend and how would you consult them and guide them to picking the best planner for them? Does that make
0: sense? Totally. Absolutely. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Maria. Again, all of Maria's links that she mentioned will be in our show notes. So you can go to rockyourweddingbiz.com to look for that. You can also join us on Facebook, our Facebook group at Rock Your Wedding Biz Podcast Insiders.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Maria, thank you again. This was revelatory. (laughs) Uh (laughs) I had a great time. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was fabulous. You're so welcome. I, uh, I want to leave with this one thought that just popped into my head, which I think sort of sums up this episode. Change your mindset, change your life. Love it. Love it. All right, rock stars. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone.
1: Thank you for listening to Rock Your Wedding Biz. This episode is sponsored by Moxie Bright Events, wedding planning for creative couples and industry education for creative event planners. Also sponsored by Joy Social, teaching smart social media strategies for awesome business owners. You can find Renee online at MoxieBirdEvents.com and ReneeDallow.com. You can find Mindy online at JoySocial.net. Jump into the show notes at RockYourWeddingBiz.com. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Wedding Biz.